Welcome to our weekly Wednesday night shir. Tonight is Yud Gimel Iyar. Iyar said that Mishraelai Yilev, the Rebbe's youngest brother, whom the Rebbe held very, very dear, great esteem. The Rebbe cherished anybody that had any kind of mention, any kind of story. The Rebbe was very miyaka, the Rebbe was very thankful. Um, there was a manuscript that arrived to the Rebbe, mathem- mathematical uh, thesis that Rabbi Salih started and hadn't got finished and the long uh, sequence a professor that the Rebbe got in touch with the Rebbe that had come here to work in the university here in America, in New York subsequently he's come to the Rebbe to Fabrengen's by Fabrengen, the Rebbe called him over, and the Rebbe gave him this, this thing to finish. He asked if he can get a student. And he looked at it and he said that he's highly doubts that any students are capable of feeling, of doing such a thing. And uh, professors would not devote their time to it. Finally, the fellow said, I would do it myself. The Rebbe was very thankful for it. And then finally, the Rebbe said, I wouldn't have told you, but since you're doing this for me, I would tell you it's my brother. And needless to say, it was very, very... The guy did actually finish it. It was never published, but something that that was very, very appreciative. Anyone that that said that they were in Tzvass, they would tell the Rebbe that they were in Tzvass, and they visited the grave of Yisrael Eleib, I was very, very thankful for that. Getting such regards always. So I died very, very young in his late 40s. Late 40s. And the Rebbe used to have a custom to go visit his mother every day. (coughs) President's trip. So during the week of the Shiva... Actually, when Shailayu passed away, the Rebetzin Chaim Mushka was very perturbed, disturbed, how to tell this to Rebetzin Chana, because she had gone through so much. Her husband, another child, and the brother, she had lost a lot of people during the war. The Makshimavazakram, the Nazis. And, um, the Rebbe said the Shemay for not telling her. And during the Shiva, the Rebbe continued to go visit his mother every day. And the Rebbe changed his jacket. So the torn one that he was wearing, she shouldn't notice. And would come every day. The Rebbe would sign notes for the next few years, sign his brother's name on notes, giving regards, regards to his mother. Obviously in those days it wasn't very popular that people called overseas. Since he was overseas it was sufficient for his mother to just get a letter. And therefore he used to sign letters in his brother's name um, so that his mother would feel or think that he was still alive. Or at least not know of his demise. Again, as we have the custom throughout the days of Sfira, Shiurim and through the week of Sfira, the weeks of Sfira. <coughs> Stopping already. That we talk about the Pirkeiovis of the week, which is painting Dalla this week, Mitzchem, and we talk about something in the Sechta Seita as well.
we admitted to say, of course, tell you that this week's Pasha is Pasha's Emer. Dedications are many. And all those in your fullest again, in healing, month of Yashem Refecho, and those been healed, Baruch Hashem. And for those that have not unfortunately made it, Chaim. To start, as always, with the Pasha. Pasha full of Yom Tevim, discussing all the Yom Tevim. Begins with the most important mitzvah in the Jewish world in Jewish life that is the mitzvah of chinuch education no greater mitzvah mitzvah than education for the simple fact that we educate our next generation and we anticipate the next generation follow in our footsteps, continue in our ways of life, which is also, as we know, a very strong lesson from Svira, which we will take from Svira Seva as well. Education, as it may be, you got to tell the Vincha, tell your son, to teach your son Teda. Done sometimes by actually father, sometimes by educators, sometimes by friends, family, life lessons. The lesson, the guidance, as the guidance of a shepherd to his sheep, to his flock. Telling or giving over whatever they can. Chinuch is pouring from a larger kli to a smaller kli, from a larger vessel to a smaller vessel usually. And therefore, we need sometimes a funnel, a funnel that will filter what does a funnel do? The funnel is a wider top and a smaller bottom. When we one pours into a funnel, they pour in with a gust, with a, with a strong flow. And as that stronger flow, or that bigger flow of water, needs to come into this smaller top of a bottom of another vessel. It needs to be condensed in essence. Discussing today what is seven point four eight gallons, one cubic foot of water. For the water to go in, therefore it needs to be funneled in. Unfortunately, oftentimes, as you pour in from the bigger vessel to the smaller, some splashes out, some falls into the, most of it falls into the vessel, but not all of it is the same anymore. If you would take a fizzy soda or drink and you pour it over to a second bottle it loses the fizz not all of it but it's not the same it's like leaving the bottle open for a while and therefore 
when we pour over, the vessel gets most of the gist of everything that's coming through him. But not everything it keeps. Not everything it holds on to. When the shepherd leads his flock, takes to the grass, takes to the water, not only does the sheep take to the grass right away, you have to sometimes coax it. And not always, even with the coaxing, does it eat enough. And you lead it to the water. And sometimes it's not like a daisical, but doesn't see how important it is to drink the water. It's only a sheep. Or sometimes feels shepherds overdoing it. Sometimes feels the shepherd is overstepping its rights. Hey, I'm a sheep. Let me do what I have to do. You're a shepherd. Do what you have to do. And sometimes the sheep appreciates, the sheep follows, and the sheep does everything like a good sheep. But after a while, something kicks in. And the sheep totally turns on the, she- on the shepherd and runs off and runs off without a back- backward glance and says thinks to itself all those things the shepherd did for me I don't want to remember them if I didn't have to eat grass I wouldn't eat grass because that's what the shepherd used to feed me if I didn't have to drink water, I wouldn't drink water because that's what the shepherd used to give me. But I'll be mine. I'll do my own thing. I'll lead my own life. Similarly, Chinuch has the same effect. Education of the children. With a child sometimes resents their parents' education, resents the parents' persistence, resents the constant badgering of the parents over and over, daven, did you daven today? Did you daven mincha? Did you give tzedakah? Did you take negelvasa? Why are you listening to such music? Why are you eating such things that you shouldn't be eating? And eventually, child says, back off. Back off. I'll do what I want. And sometimes the child takes to it. And sometimes, the child, God forbid what the child does. For the most part, though, something that comes out of the person's heart enters, penetrates the other person's heart. And since a parent only means good for the child when they tell them to daven, when they tell them to learn, when they tell them to even take nagalasa, so in the morning when they wake up they start their day the way it should be. All the small nuances that the parent persisted on Make a bracha before you eat or drink. Make a bracha achreina when you finish. Don't forget to bench. Wash for bread. I told the story this week about Malka actually. This past week, a fellow was not religious. Come on, Islam. And he had a boy, he had a son. And he was a doctor, and he wanted his son to follow in his path. He wanted his son to become a doctor as well. And he also wanted his son to be 100% like him, not be religious either. The mother knew that the child was Jewish, and therefore wanted the child to remember he's Jewish. So the mother educated the child with one mitzvah. One mitzvah. The mitzvah of washing the teal shadayim for bread. Before eating bread, before partaking of any bread, to wash your hands. 
And she said, please keep that. Never eat bread without washing. She tell him to make the bracha on the Sedayim, Amaitzi, I don't know. Wash though. He did. And he grew up and he became a doctor. Very, very secular Jew. But never missed, a, never took a piece of bread without washing first. No. One day, there was a, a dentator. And this doctor was called to a dentator. And Bezden heard out the two litigants, the doctor and the other person. And Bezden found the other person right. And the psak was against the doctor. The doctor, being a non-religious Jew, said, Gay Pfeiffen, I'm not doing what you want. You're all crazy. You're wrong. You're paskening wrong. That's it. So the Rabbanim were very upset. As customer, not custom, halacha is somebody is entitled to din, a person goes against the din that the Bazin gave him, the person is put in chedim, put in excommunication. No. Why do I care you're excommunicating me? What do I have to do with you? I have nothing to do with you. You, your community, leave me alone. But by game, the doctor had to go on a journey. And the journey was through a forest. And it was a forest that was infamous for thieves, for robbers. And you couldn't travel through this forest on your own. If you wanted to get through this forest, you had to take a, uh, you had to join a group. If you had a group, and they all went together, no. The doctor wanted to go to this forest. He had to, had to go through this forest. And he started to try to form a group or to join a group. Nobody wanted to let him join. You're excommunicated. You're in Khedim. Very disturbed. Very upset. What could he do? He had to do the journey. So he took his bag with food. And he hired a very, very fast horse, strong horse, that would take him where he had to go. And he was off. And he started to speed through the forest. He figured the thieves prey on somebody that's just getting through the forest. He'll move fast enough, he'll get through. And it was just that. He moved fast, he was going quickly. And nobody's looking to stop him. Nobody's going to jump in the middle of his way. He's moving. They'll look for a smaller prey, someone that's easier to jump on. However, the journey was tedious. And he was hungry. All he had was bread. He can't eat bread without washing. But he can't stop to wash. He can't look for a, a river now or something. Because if he stops over here in the middle of this forest, he's toast, he's not bread. So, he kept going. And the hunger started growling. His stomach started growling. It was gnawing away at him. 
He just wanted to take that whole loaf of bread and swallow it in one shot. But he has to wash. Finally, as he's going, he's getting tired. Fatigue. He's starting to doze as he's riding through the forest. And he hears in the distance the the bubbling of a brook. And he slows down and he sees on a drop about 20 feet, 15 feet, you have to walk down to a brook where he'd be able to wash his hands and have his bread. Maybe even get some cold water. As he's walking down, he sees on the other side a band of robbers. And he says, uh-uh. I could jump back on my horse and keep going, and then I come near me. I could wash, take a chance, maybe I'll make it back to my horse, maybe not. I can't anymore. I won't survive either way. I won't survive if I go without eating, and I won't survive. I might not survive this way. I'll take my chances. And he ran quickly to the brook, and he washed his hands, and he grabbed the bit something out of his bread, as he turned to run up, all of a sudden there was one of the guys standing there with a stick and he lit him, hit him in the head and they beat him to death and they took his possessions. Now, in the Jewish world there's two worlds. There's this world and the world to come. So he comes to the Bezdin Shalmaila, he comes to the high courts above, the heavenly courts. And the heavenly courts look at this soul and say, You sacrificed your life to keep a promise and to wash your hands before eating. You did nothing else. But in the end, you died for a mitzvah. You're going to Ganeden. As he came to the gates of Ganeden, there was a malach standing there. He says, "Ah, uh-uh, can't go. No can do. Why? Because you're excommunicated. You can't come in here. There's a against you. That's what I do. You gotta go back down to the world and get it annulled. So the Shama traveled back down, we came to the dream in the rabbis at night, and he told the rabbi in his dream the whole story, how he was killed, and how he was being going into Ganeden, and they're holding him back because of the Kherim. So the rabbi said, oh, that's the reason they're holding you back, forget it, no Kherim, Kherim over. Okay, thank you. And came back to the Mila. And then Malach says, no, nah, that was pretty good, close, but no cigar. You need to get it, as it was written in the world, you need to get it written in writing that it's an old. So he goes back down again, he tells the rabbi, and the rabbi says, okay, first thing in the morning he gets up and he goes to shul, he writes a nullification of this cherem, and he announces it in shul, etc. Proclamation. But the second time the Neshama came to the Rabbi, the Neshama asked the Rabbi a question in, in Torah. And the Rabbi answered him. And this conversation ensued in Torah studies between this Neshama and the Rabbi. Then the Rabbi finally turns to him and says, wait, wait, wait a minute, doctor. You weren't religious. When did you get this knowledge of Torah? And the Shabbat said, as I was rising above, after being killed, a Malach took hold of me and taught me the entire Tera as a reward. And with this, he was allowed into Gan Eden. And Gan Eden, they say, Ashrim Yishabalakan, Mitalmud Ebiyadi. So he came into Gan Eden with his Talmud, with his learning. And we find again, as we said in the beginning, 
For those who don't know why we went off on this tangent, Emer lakeni minyarim v'martaleim lenefesh leyitama. Emer tell the kahanim v'yomartaleim and tell them. It's a little repetitious. Therefore, we need to understand, says Rashi, who is the champion in Bechamish Mikra, who looks at this and says, how do you say, speak to them and say, speaking to them, obviously you're saying it, I'm speaking, I can't say it. Okay, let's check it. We gotta go an hour. Rashi says the redundancy is for a very easy explanation. Say to them, and say to them, via Marto, is a total separate instruction. That was conveyed to the Karim. That was Hazhara Khtanimalakdinum. That they even ensure the young children who were before Bar Mitzvah, and they're not yet the age of personal responsibility, that they too are an observance of the unique laws of the Karim. The Karim had to be very careful not to become impure, not to come in contact with something that was impure, with a dead body or anything of the sort. So therefore, the repetition says Rashi is lahazir aktanim alagdelum. The word lahazir is to warn. But the word also comes from the word zayhar, shine which means bright gleam a bright gleam or shining so Rashi's words are telling us that a person has an obligation to caution the person from any negative conduct and that's of course by focusing on their inherent goodness and nurturing this until it causes them to shine within. Also, the Hazir is to teach them to be cautious and to be cautious to see to it that others shine as well. And if you keep in score, don't think about a Tmura to Zion Aleph. 16 side A. If someone teaches his fellow Jew, Teda, God enlightens the eyes of both, the teacher and the student. So here we see the importance of the Chinuch, of the education, is not just to educate, to give them knowledge, not just to educate slap them on the side of the head and give them the, put them in the right direction but to enlighten to give them light to give them a feeling, to give them a warm feeling unfortunately as we said before sometimes the person looks back at all the things that the person taught them and says I don't particularly care for the person anymore and therefore everything they stand for makes me cringe makes me sick So we tell you that what you were taught was taught from a good place. If the person's a bad person, the person's evil, the person's wicked, the person, whatever it was, whatever he is, the person he or she is, it's the tailor that you need to look at, the tailor perspective. And you need to take that and apply it to your daily life. And not necessarily connected. Although we say, maybe Gulalaylam, brought down the Mishnah, that when one repeats something in the name of somebody, 
it brings literally the gula, the redemption. That's coming. That talks about talking. Doesn't talk about reenacting. If you're taught something that's good, a good anhaga, a good way of thinking, a good way of reacting, a good way of behaving, whether it's to daven, whether it's to be careful in your kasha standards, whether it is to take nagalasa, the smallest of things. Don't look and say, oh, this represents this person. I'm not going to do it ever again. It represents God. Do it for God, not for the person. The Pasik tells us No non Kayan can eat anything that was brought in a sacrifice. Anything brought as a sacrifice in Besamikdash was brought to the Kayan, only the Kayan can eat from it. But a not a Levi, a Yisrael, cannot eat from this. So sages teach us, not only you cannot eat, you may not derive any pleasure from it. You can benefit anything from this world. Excuse me, sages teach us from here that a person cannot benefit from anything in this world without making a bracha first. person needs to make a bracha. A blessing acknowledging God as the world's creator and owner. And the Chazal compared this, sages compared this, partaking of something in this world without a bracha, to the prohibition of deriving personal benefit from something from Hegdish. Things that were dedicated to the temple. If you keep your score at home, this is Gemara in Brachis Lamed Hey Amralev 35 Side A. Have a piece of fruit, cake, whatever it might be. I take it in my hand and I have to make a blessing over it. Whatever the blessing is. And now I can eat it. Before I do that, I can't. I made a bracha. What did I do? What did I do with this bracha? By making this bracha, making it now permissible for me to eat it, does that say that God no longer owns it, now I own it, and therefore I can eat it? What did I do? What did I accomplish? And change in this food item that after making a bracha on it, I'm allowed to eat it. Bracha doesn't change the item. The item which was recited the bracha over remains the same. But rather, the bracha changes the one that recited the bracha. It changes that person's status. So much so, he can now partake in something that doesn't belong to him, but actually belongs to God. He now reaches a level where he is allowed to partake of something of God's. 
The item remains God's. The fruit, the vegetable, the, the mezainus, the cake, the bread, whatever it might be, remains God's. But the person making the bracha out loud, Baruch Ato Hashem, so that they themselves can hear themselves make the bracha, not but making a bracha. This makes the person fit to be able to partake and eat something of God's. Just like Tuma belongs to the Kahanam. And a person who's not a Kayan cannot eat Tuma. When the people had their agricultural, agricultural produce, they took off Tuma to give to the Kayan. This truma only a kayan can eat when they're clean, of course. But there's an exception to this rule. A servant of a kayan may also eat this. And the Tater tells us if a kayan acquires a person, and the person is like a monetary acquisition of the kayan, then he can partake and eat from this truma. Things that belong to a kain, even though he himself is not a kain. And the same it comes with sacrificial meats brought from a sacrifice, also off limits to anyone other than a kain. Yet a kain servant may partake of them. Keep his score home, it's Gimara Zvachim Nun Heya Maralev, 55 side 1. Similarly, similarly, we can explain the significance of reciting a bracha. The text of the bracha, Baruch Ato Hashem, blessed are you God. Eloikeinu our God, Melech HaOilom, the King of the Universe. <coughs> wow. Therefore the bracha declares God's mastery. His mastery of the entire universe. Not only of the universe, of myself also, including me. Action. Therefore, just as a servant of a Kayin can partake in what belongs to a Kayin, this servant of God, us, who have made a bracha, can partake of what belongs to God. It was a simple tailor. Who had read in a safe, simple as learning, sitting and learning after hours. As he was sitting and studying, he read something very interesting. He read Parnosa, substance, sustenance, comes from God. What God wants to give you, you're going to have. You don't even have to go to work. It'll come to your door. That's what he learned. So not as a tryout, not as a test to God, God forbid. As a believer, he said, the next morning he woke up and he davened at great length. And after davening at great length, after davening at great length, he sat down to study. And his wife says to him, 
But, but, but you're a tailor. You need to go out and do your, your thing. You gotta go sew people's clothing. And he said, I've learned that God has his ways of giving Parnassah. And therefore, God will see to it that I get my Parnassah to my door. I don't have to go. She begged and pleaded, cajoled, started beating him with a broom. Whatever she tried did not change his mind, did not change his position. He sat there steadfast, believing in God, that God will send him his Parnassah. And lo and behold, people that came to his shop, who liked him very much and trusted him, started to come to his courtyard. They were standing in the courtyard and the wife said, Oh, your customers are here, go go out to them. Excuse me, no, he says, Hashem said to the door. And lo and behold, the customers saw that it wasn't coming out. They went to the door. They knocked and brought whatever miskar, whatever businesses they had, dealings they had to have with him, they brought to the door. Because of his true amuna, <coughs> not just a servant of God's, I am a property of God's. And I daven, and I make a bracha, and God sends to me what I need to have. Very important mitzvah. As we had Yudashim to you, is v'nikdashti b'seich b'nei Yisrael. I shall be sanctified amidst the children of Israel. This mitzvah teaches us the obligation of literally Mesiris Nefesh. Obligation. Self-sacrifice. And there are certain situations where there are certain mitzvahs that one needs to die for them rather than commit. When a Jew exhibits this commitment to God to the point that he's willing to literally surrender his life for him, this devotion causes God to be revered and sanctified. Where people look and say, Oh, this is a Jew. We see in Tilim, Magidvar of the Yaakov, Chukov Mishpatov the Yisrael. He declares his words to Yaakov, his rules and his ordinances to Israel. And the Medish understands this to say, everything that God commands us to do, He Himself does. And this is said in the Bamitzvah Maimer. So if God commands us to sacrifice our lives for the fulfillment of a mitzvah, God also does this. Where do we see this? We see this now as we're learning Masechta Saita. A woman didn't behave the way she should as a nice Jewish wife. And unfortunately, the husband suspected she was up to no good. Excuse me. shouldn't be found ever with this other man and she went off with this man and witnesses saw them doing things they shouldn't so the woman is then brought to the base of Mikdash and she needs to be given a drink and this drink, if she is indeed guilty, causes her to literally explode. Physically. Her legs, everything starts to expand till she bursts. If, however, she was innocent, 
she has a child. And she's blessed with a child better than any of the rest of her children. She only had grills, she has a boy, she only had darker skinned children, she has lighter skinned whatever it is, it's a more beautiful child and more special child than before. This drink, <coughs> one of the ingredients is they need to take a Torah scroll, a certain portion, which discusses this, this law, and they write it on the Torah, the, the scribe writes it on the scroll, and then this gets erased into the water. This scroll, the parsha that's being written on it, has the mention of God's name several times. And God says, erase my name to prove how great the mitzvahs are. The good, if she is innocent, God willing, all the good things that will happen as she comes back to her husband. So we see therefore that God God sacrifices himself just as he tells us to do for the fulfillment of the mitzvah. And as the the, the Gemara tells us, if you keep in score at home, the Gemara Shabbos, 116, Sairei, Kuf, Tezayin, Amaralef, God declares my name written in sanctity, shall be blotted out in water in order to make peace between a man and his wife. Rashi makes a point of mentioning, however, based on a medrash, a person surrenders his life, sanctification of God, sanctification of God, must do so with complete willingness to die. Because if a person surrenders himself to die, hoping for a miracle, no miracle will happen. This implies a martyr's innermost intentions and true willingness to, God forbid, die are integral in order to sanctify God's name. Avraham Avinu being thrown into the furnace or all those kedoshim led to the slaughter in the gas chambers. And as one of my children mentioned to me, when the Americans liberated the concentration camp, they were sacked. They expected they expected the prisoners to come running, to come greeting them, to jump for joy. They walked in and the people just stared at them blankly. They said, you're free now. said, what? Originally they thought maybe they were traumatized, they didn't know what to do, they couldn't move anymore, they were too weak, whatever it might be. These Yidin were standing there, and they said, excuse me, American soldier man, thank you for what you did. Thank you for coming here and driving away our oppressors, our murderers. But nish you're not the one I was looking for when I said, When I cried, was being led to gas chambers, being led to the slaughters, I didn't cry. I believe with complete faith that the American soldier will come free me. I believe the Vias HaMashiach. The coming of Mashiach is what I believed in. 
So yes, you're here to quote-unquote liberate us, but that's not what we were anticipating. That's not what we were looking for. We were looking for Mashiach to redeem us. As we do today, in this horrible, horrible situation, with this horrific pandemic, and with the killer bees that are flying in now, only solution is Mashiach. So the person needs to be totally ready to truly die. And this is because in Rashi's view he says this, that although a Jew's greatest act of sanctifying God is to sacrifice his life for his faith, but when a Jew dies as a martyr, it's not God's greatest publicity. On the contrary, when a Jew is harmed because of his religious beliefs, people deride the Torah and they question God's existence. And look how many people that survived the Holocaust that came out and said, all those people died, so did God. So the greatest possible glorification of God's name in the world, where God miraculously saves those who surrender their lives for Him. That's the ultimate sanctification of God's name. Beyond human effort. And this can only be brought about by God Himself. And this, as I say, we see, we are seeing today on a daily basis the open miracles that we are experiencing every single day now <coughs> every time we hear of another person <coughs> we were <coughs> we were saying Dylan for we were told that their, their end is near, God forbid, that they're on a respirator, on a this, on a that. All of a sudden, we hear of the miraculous return. And we say, Baruch, Machaya Mason, Baruch Blessed is he who brings back, resurrects the dead. Blessed is he who heals the ill. This is amazing, amazing Kiddush Hashem. The devotion, the dedication of our Hatzola members, of our volunteers, of people that saw to it to help out families in these time of needs, are the people that are still seeing to it, the people that have lost Parnassa. Today there was a distribution of food here on the street people were able to go and get food staples basic staples vegetables, fruits I know what food is there for people that Rahman al-Tsan can't afford to buy anything these are the people that are causing sanctification of God's name showing the world over this is the children of Hashem. And therefore we mentioned Saita before, how God sacrifices His name for the Saita to purify and to elevate the marriage between the husband and the wife. Now we'll turn to Pirkei this week is Perik Revi'i. We're going to study, discuss Mishnah Chaf. Perik Revi'i, Mishnah Chaf, number 20. Elisha ben Avuya Eimer. Elisha ben Avuya said, Halim Yelad Maudeimer. He who studies Torah as a child 
What is he compared to? The Diyaksuva on the Yar Machuk. Sorry. To the ink that is written on a fresh paper. And one who learned to study Torah when he's older only, when is, what is he compared to? The Diyaksuva on the Yar Machuk, like one who has written ink on old paper. Paper that's been erased over and over again. Then the Mishnah continues. Rabbi Yisrael Yehuda Yishkvarim Bavliyemer Halemim Menaktanim Maudeim Aleichanov Mekeches Sheisayim Migitei Valeim Menaskenim Maudeim Aleichanov Mishkshuleis Sheisayim Yashim. But then the Mishnah finishes off. Rabbi Meir Emer Al Tstakel BeKankan. Don't look at the vessel. El Mashi Yeshbei, but what's within it? Yesh Kankan Chodosh Moliyoshan. You can have a beautiful new vessel filled with aged wine. V'yoshon shafilu chodesh envoy. And you can have an old barrel that doesn't even have new wine in it. <coughs> there are three people mentioned here. Elisha ben Avuya, Yesu ben Yehuda, and Ab Meir. Elisha ben Avuya. There were people, four people that went to Pardis. We mentioned this before when we talked about Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva was one that was Nicholas Bishalom Vyatsu Bishalom went in in peace and came out in peace. Unfortunately, Elisha ben Avuya went in in peace and did not come out in peace. And Vartanura explains that his quote here, writing on a fresh paper, is writing that lasts. And the concept of a person learning in childhood is because Giyasa the Yankasa always remains with the child. What the child learns at young always stays. And this is personified by the author, Elisha ben Avuya. In his childhood, his father focused all his attention on Torah study. And therefore... When Elisha got older, matured, he was attracted, unfortunately, to other things. As we say, the Gemara, Kimiskor Home, Chagiga, Tezvalva Medbez, talking about the Arva Nichnas Lepardis. And therefore, he ultimately forsook the Torah lifestyle. But nevertheless, the Torah knowledge that he had, that he amassed as a child, remained with him. Because the ink was written on fresh paper. Paper itself was sullied, unfortunately. The writing remained. What was the connection between Rebmeya and Elisha ben Avuya? Rebmeya was a student. Even when he was called Acher, he was called already, he left his practice, he still learned from him. And that's what Rebmeya says in this Mishnah. Don't look at the vessel, look what's inside. I know Elisha ben Avuya. I know Acher. And May did not look at a vessel and Elisha ben Avuya the way he looked now, but rather what he possessed. And May have found this pomegranate and he ate what was inside and discarded the shell. So it must be emphasized by this approach a sage the stature of Reb Meir by large our sages have given us directive if a teacher resembles an angel we seek terror from him and therefore a Meir who saw the greatness and the beauty of the knowledge of Elisha ben took the good and left the shells And Rameir constantly tried to prompt Elisha ben Avuya to do tshuva. The famous story of Elisha ben Avuya was learning with Rameir as he was riding on a horse on Shabbos. 
Rabbi Elisha was on the horse. He was walking. They were walking outside of the city. And Elisha said to him, Stop. You cannot walk any further because it's no longer the Tchum Shabbos. You can't walk. He was able to study with Meir and count the footsteps of the horse. May we be to study the proper Teda, have the proper sacrifice, educate the proper education, and the children will be the ones that will call out to our parents, this is God, as He comes with Mashiach to redeem us, this very Shabbos, the Shabbos to all.